face to face, hand to hand, film to film. Welcome to the Film to Film podcast. My name is James Shergan. I'm joined here by my good friend Inyaki. Uh, how are you doing today, Inyaki? You know, I, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, I just, you know, I, I learned throughout my life that when hate doesn't work, you gotta use love. When hate doesn't work, you gotta go use love, man. Even when it's done in a very um, deadly way. Uh, so today we are reviewing uh, the promising young woman of Hong Kong from the early 1970s, uh, The Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan, uh, or in the more dull uh, Chinese title, it's just called Ainu, which is the title of the uh, main character, which actually directly translates, if you plug that into Google Translate, to Love Slave, which oh. is actually kind of an appropriate title, uh, all things considered. Oh, how fitting. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, y- you almost had like the same guys that were translating Jollies trying to create the name here. And it's like a super long, very memorable name in a way. Uh, but we'll get, we'll get into whether it's appropriate or not um, later. Um, so here is the quick synopsis. Uh, a poor, young, but willful woman I knew is sold into a brothel. She learns martial arts and begins to take revenge on those who have exploited her. Um, yeah, so that is the quick synopsis of Intimate Conventions of a Chinese Courtesan. Uh, what did you think of this film? Well, we're flying right into the movie. Uh, what did you think? I, I liked it. I liked it. I thought uh, uh, I, I was a little bit nervous when watching it. Uh, we, we, you and I, we've watched uh, a, lot of, a lot of films together. And uh, usually when it comes to uh, films dealing with uh, forced prostitution and whatnot, uh, I generally have not enjoyed them. Uh, Are you thinking of Bohachi Bushido? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, which is which is definitely a little, uh, shall we say, more tasteless than this film? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but uh, this one, uh, I actually thought, you know, it, it has its problems for sure. Uh, I uh, what, what year was this film? Um, 1972, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't know much about the Chinese culture or uh, especially like the, I'm assuming this is either Hong Kong or Taiwan, but... Uh, this but, is Shaw Brothers, so this is Hong Kong. Hong Kong. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know much about the Chinese culture, but I mean, uh, in, in, in certain aspects, it seemed, it seemed uh, a little bit ahead of its time. In other aspects, you could say it seemed like it actually played into the uh, your classic uh, homophobic tropes, but uh, it depends on how you read it. But nonetheless, I I thought it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, and say what you will about it, you could read it in a more negative light for sure. But I think, given the title and stuff like that, and like the poster, it could easily be more exploitive. Always, yeah. <laughs> as as the Japanese did with uh, the other movie. Yeah, um, yeah. And this one, this is uh, quite an interesting film. I, I think it's very unique and stands out quite a lot in kind of just the Hong Kong cinema of the time. Uh, just in some ways, as you said, in terms of like the uh, sexuality present on the screen, it, it is quite a bit ahead of its time. And in fact, you are probably very unlikely to see this sort of um, portrayal of even uh, same-sex relationships in certainly mainstream Chinese cinema today. Um, but it's part of like this wave in Hong Kong that really kind of started to take more 
shape in the 80s and the 90s. Um, and in, in that sense, also was a little more um, explicit in what it would show uh, there. This one, it cuts away quite a bit. I think it's certainly a product of its time. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a very interesting film. So I saw this for the first time last year and it was not really what I expected. I was expecting more of like a full blown exploitation film, sort of like in the vein of Bohachi Bushido or something along those lines. And I thought it was, you know, for the most part, reasonably tastefully done. Um, certainly a product of its time in a lot of ways. Uh, but, uh, I, I quite like this film and I think, uh, it's, it's become one of my more favorite Shaw Brothers films just in general. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good movie. It's, a in a way, it's it's a very uh, standard movie too, though. It, uh, by standard, I mean like a very. Uh, I feel like some Shaw Brother movies, uh, things just just happen because, and then the endings are just because. Um, there's just not a very good set. Like there, there's there's some lack of uh, thoughtfulness at the end of certain movies. You mean they just put the end all of a sudden? They're like, okay, no one left to, but no one's left alive, so the end yeah or you know and this one uh it, it just seemed like there was a full arc and uh and everything sort of made sense and uh, pieces fell together properly where they had to fall together i completely agree yeah i i think it comes together quite neatly um and i mean this is one of those nice pieces of filmmaking that's just 90 minutes uh and covers quite a bit of ground uh, in that period. Um, it's pretty economical just all around. Um, and uh, and it, it just kind of finishes. It finishes definitely in a little bit more of a smooth way than I think, and a more satisfying way than some of those Shaw Brothers films that just kind of like everyone's dead, the end. Um, and it's written by a guy named uh, Chu Kong Chien, okay. who is an interesting figure. I think he was around 30 when he wrote this. But he's actually more associated with the Hong Kong New Wave, which is kind of like this films that came around in like the 80s specifically um, and kind of had like more of this like social realist or more, you know, indie art uh, films. And so this one is kind of his studio film that's fairly early on in his career. So he's an interesting figure just because he went on to uh, kind of work on very, very different material than uh, this film and very different um, studio system. Hmm. Um, so, uh, directed by a guy named Choi Yuan, who passed away just, uh, in 2022. Um, and he's interesting because Shaw Brothers at this time was a Mandarin studio. Just about all their films were done in Mandarin, uh, Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan included. And so Mandarin really took over the Hong Kong film industry during this time. Right. Uh, specifically during the 70s, uh, with Shaw Brothers being the most popular. And so Choi Yuan was actually from the South. And... Of course, in uh, Hong Kong, which is in like the south, um, Cantonese is more of the prominent language there. And so Choi Yuan, also Cantonese, but because uh, Shaw Brothers was just kind of acquiring different talent, he ended up working for them. But he actually also ended up directing a film a couple of years later called House of 72 Tenants, which brought the Cantonese language kind of back into the forefront. So this is in that period where Cantonese was going very out of style. And then he sort of brought it back into style a year or two later. And so the directors from Shaw Brothers were then allowed to direct films in Cantonese. And for people like Choi Yuan, it's his native tongue. So uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, but compared to other Shaw Brothers directors, um, he 
has a much more he doesn't have a martial arts background his the his directorial choices i think a little more varied so he worked in all kinds of different film he would work in some contemporary film he actually is probably most famous um as an actor where he appeared as the villain uh for jackie chan's perhaps best and most famous film police story um and uh yeah he's kind of one of those guys that's like a fairly well-rounded director i think certainly more than uh, a couple of the other directors that we've covered uh yeah what do you think of kind of just the it did anything stand out to you in terms of like the direction or the writing of the film well i guess as i mentioned before the, the uh the or i guess to to further uh to go further uh deeper into what i said before like the, the, this movie had like a, a very a very good flow Things, things flowed from one one scene to another without being very uh, just striking or distracting. Uh, this is in comparison to other Shaw Brothers movies that we've done uh, here at the podcast, where uh, when there's the passage of time, uh, it, it just it's very clunky. Here, it actually the passage of time seemed there, there was a little montage from one end to the other to sort of give you a passage of time, and you sort of. Uh, appreciated that like there were like better connecting bridges between right uh, one act and the other sometimes yeah and it actually plays around a little bit with the time because it actually opens after that first murder that i knew commits does where it's kind of like this really um you know moodily lit uh scene uh and we see sort of like the aftermath of the first crime yeah um so yeah, I think Choi Yuen of all the Shaw brothers is kind of really known for making really good use of the costumes. And I think in terms of visual eye, I think it, this film certainly stands out. Um, just I think it's a really pretty film, even by Shaw Brothers standards. Uh, I think it makes a really good use of the different sets. I like all the costumes. It's very, very colorful in this film, too. So that's another thing that uh, really stood out. You know, you have the classic asbestos snow uh, that they toss around very liberally in this film, too. Well, I, I don't think this film was asbestos, actually. Oh, yeah? Uh, what do you think it was? I, I styrofoam? Think, yeah, I think this was a, like, this was a very styrofoam. Like, there, there were moments where, like, someone was being picked up and you would see, like, the little balls, like, the little white balls just, like, rolling off the man. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, they, they, they've evolved. Now they're using styrofoam to uh, get that snow. <laughs> well, innovation, yeah. uh, I suppose. Less cancer, yeah. more, uh. Uh, probably this was the old school styrofoam, the one that uh, had uh, PSP uh, gases. <laughs> so no one's going to die, but the ozone layer was going to be uh, affected. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you have any thoughts on the look of the film, just in general? It's a very pretty film. Uh, but I mean, I, we, we've seen other very pretty films uh, from the Shaw Brothers. So I, I, don't, I, I agree with you that they do a good job with, uh, with the costumes. But I don't see this. Uh, I, I guess the costume itself, they, they themselves are very diverse. But also that that kind of has to do with the, the plot itself of the movie. I mean, here yeah, the, true. these are not just like, you know, martial artists versus soldiers. Here you have a lot more uh, a complex story where it's like you got a brothel of like yeah. different women who have to stand out. But also you have different classes of women. You have like you know the servants the sex slave the straight up sex slaves that's all they are the like you know high class prostitutes and then the boss so for to distinguish all of them because i mean if you were lazy with the costumes then you wouldn't know who the fuck was who 
So true, true. So I yeah. mean, and, and and I guess you can say it stands out that the this director and the, the costume director as well. You know, they they had the forethought of saying, "Oh shit, yeah, we need to give them different dresses." Yeah. Well, uh, you know, that's a fair point. Uh, the context of this film is very different from, I don't know, let's say one-armed swordsman, where you have a guy uh, that gets arm cut off. And uh, this one is more you're dressing women and you're dressing them in a fairly colorful brothel. So uh, there's there's actually context uh, around there to make it, you know, a little more dressed up. Yeah. Um, but I, I do feel like the Shaw Brothers appropriately lends quite a bit of scope where you just have a lot of different extras walking around in, like, uh, nice costumes. It has a lot of, like, those pinks and those softer colors and, and blue, light blue and things like that. So it's just very colorful. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, qu- I quite like the look of the film just uh, in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So uh, Choi Yuen at the time actually wanted to make this a straight melodrama. Uh, so he didn't want to have any of the martial arts in it, but because of kind of what Shaw Brothers was doing at the time and just because what was popular at the time in terms of like Chong Che and Bruce Lee films and whatnot, I think it kind of got shoehorned in. So they kind of did the Exorcist 3 on him. They're like, no, dude, you got to have the martial arts. And so he's like, okay, fine. It's like, and he tosses, you know, most of it in like the last five to 10 minutes uh, where it just kind of goes ball to, balls to the wall at the end. So I, I find that to be kind of fun. How do you, what did you think of uh, this? Is so I would say this film, not, you could argue whether it's a martial arts film or not, but it's certainly not as much of a martial arts film as any of the other Shaw Brothers films that we watched. What did you make of all of that? And did it kind of take you out of the film to all of a sudden go into a full blown fight mode or did you like it? I mean, uh, I think the movie does a good job of introducing you to martial arts in at the end of the first act. So I mean, at the end you have the two characters trying trying to escape, and you have a big martial arts fight, where one dude fights against everyone until he gets uh, his shit ruined at the end. So uh, at the rest, uh, it, the movie is well made. To make to 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 have you that expect to, to give you that expectation that there will be martial arts at some moment again, because there were there was a big you know uh, set piece at, uh, in in Act One, so you, you kind of are expecting a set piece at the end. Uh, so it did not take me out of the movie. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, and also the the, the, the uh, what's her, her name, uh, Lady Chun. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, she is also a martial artist uh, and a, a very, like, good classic martial artist villain that has, like, a magical aspect, like, has, like, an overpowered aspect of them. So, like, uh, I, I think with, with those few elements that the movie gives you, uh, uh, it, it keeps you within, uh, within the realm of, okay, this is a martial arts movie. Um, I like the I like your comparison with uh, with the Exorcist and the shoehorn aspect of it. Uh, except for that pre- the priest who does the exorcism in the Exorcist movie, Exorcist movie <laughs> yeah. who really comes out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, that's true. Except for that, I am extremely thankful for the studios enforcing you know a shoehorn exorcism in that movie uh, yeah it, it was like one of those things that uh like the movie was good it was moody 
but that exorcism is just like maybe it's out of out of place, but like it it it, it steps up the movie to a next level. It's, uh, it's the cherry on top. It's, it's, yeah, I mean that exactly. exorcism is very good. Yeah, exactly. It's cherry on top. Uh, so go, going in from that to this movie, I put the same. I I I think the same way. The the martial arts scenes, especially uh, uh, like there, there's just some really good scenes here, and they also fall within that cherry on top. I I highly appreciate it. I think I'm very glad that you had the studio uh, shoehorn in uh, martial arts in a movie. I think had it been a melodrama, uh, this could have been, you know. Uh, uh, another of those like you know trauma horror films as in like just uh, 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 sort of exploit the the suffer the women suffering here uh, you you kind of get away from that because uh, the, the the victim becomes you know awesome and a badass yeah 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 I mean the women in this film are very much centered in the most powerful i i agree with you i i really i like for me at least my favorite part of the film are the last 10 or 15 minutes where it really does go balls to the wall and the action is, i think is generally excellent but i do think it definitely picks up a notch uh when we come to that final fight and it just ends up in kind of full-on chaos mm-hmm. with you know limbs being chopped off and uh uh, just very, very bloody and gory. And we have both of the leads and really everyone's just joining in on the fight at the end. Um, and the two of them teaming up and then like, of course, the betrayals and things like that. We'll, we'll get into the conclusion yeah. a little bit later, but I like it uh, quite a bit. So this film was choreographed by uh, Simon Choi Yi Now, who actually about two or three months later would go on to choreograph Black Tavern. Um, so another uh, favored uh, Shaw Brothers film that you and I both are a fan of, at mm-hmm. least. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, in many ways, this is a very, very simple film. Um, it's a rape revenge film in a way. Um, and uh, it's kind of like this forced prostitution film uh, where the woman is taking revenge in another way. Um, so, yeah, just going to kind of bounce around and talk about a couple different things. Um, what did you make of the leads? Uh, Lady Chun, played by Betty Paytee, and I knew played by Lily Ho. Did either of them stand out, or did both of them stand out? I think Lady Chun is very... Uh, uh, she, to me, she stood out, stood out more. I mean, they, they were both really good. They were both very good. Uh, but uh, Lady Chun, I think... Uh, she just had like such a good evil look when she wanted to like she 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 could do an evil smile that was just like most excellent and then going from there to actually being very vulnerable i i thought she did a really good job um i knew uh she did she was good as well but uh lady chun just like took it yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Lady Chun is, uh, Betty Paytee is really, really excellent in this role. I, I think it's a very classic Shaw Brothers villain. It's like she just has like that look and you're just not getting that many female villains that are that memorable um, as this one. Um, and she just has like a strong screen presence throughout uh, that, you know, I, th- I think is going to, uh, you know, leave, it'll last in your memory. 
Um, so I just like her kind of like searing look and she's just a very, very evil character too. Yeah. So, um, I, I think, yeah, I, I think she might be the, the most evil villain we've seen out of the Shaw brother film. In a way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some of the men here are pretty despicable too, but they're not like the central villain that she is in this film. They're... And even the way that she finishes the film, uh, where she basically kills I knew too. Um, it's not unexpected, but it's it's pretty cruel. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and I mean, like, I, I, all the all the men uh, that, who are also very despicable, they just work under her, basically. Yeah. So I mean, like the lead of the of the uh, uh, the brothel, the male lead, is basically like kind of under her thumb because he's like so in love with her, basically. Yeah. Right, but the guy who had like all his all like that torture chamber. Uh, yeah. Was he one of her employees or was he one of her clients? He was one of the clients. Oh, okay. But the, all, all four of those people that basically take like the first four victims of Ainu kind of are all portrayed as uh, more of like corrupt officials and, and like people in places of power and privilege, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, what do I got here? Um, Side note, but I found it amusing how it's called a Four Seasons Brothel. Uh, you might be able to trick uh, Trump into uh, having a press conference there if you, uh, you know, just like Four Seasons Landscaping Company. I mean, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, it, it, if if Trump had been alive at that time, uh, you know, uh, he might be uh, might have paid off a whole bunch of people to to hide the fact that uh, he was a current client. <laughs> Uh, reoccurring <laughs> clients there yeah lady sean is is basically jeffrey epstein <laughs> oh or uh, uh what's her her face uh epstein's right hand woman yeah, yeah, yeah. i know who you're talking maxine, about I don't know. Uh, maxine something yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i know who you're talking about um yeah one thing i like about the uh the with i knew taking revenge on the four men is that the whole thing is kind of happening in plain sight too. Mm -hmm. Like you have a very weak inspector that's basically unable to stop it, even though everyone kind of knows what's going on. But it's like the own, the arrogance of all of the other men that she's taking revenge on, like, ah, she's not going to get to me, um, that I think stood out too. And I also like how they are all very kind of creatively imagined. It's kind of like a slasher where like, oh, we got to kill people in like all of these creative and different ways. Um, so I liked those aspects of it. You know, they kind of rush by that. It's like 30 or 40 minutes. You'd think that's kind of going to be the ultimate climax of the film, but instead it's like actually the drama with I knew and Lady Chun. But anyways, I'm rambling a little bit. what do you think of all of the, uh, oh, th those revenge elements? I mean, I, I, I love the fact that, uh, she, in her revenge, she, uh, she, she did, she followed basically, uh, she turned around the same way that she was raped by them. Like. So you had one guy who tied, who tied her and raped her after that. So then she tied him and burned him alive. You had the other guy who drugged her and then raped her. So then, of course, she basically... And that, that, to me, was probably my favorite kill. Uh, Where she had him overdose on aphrodisiac, basically? Yeah. Like or he, whatever. Yeah, yeah. basically, by she Ibra. gave him a heart attack <laughs> by you know, having him take a bunch of drugs like over and over again. Yeah. Uh, this episode is sponsored by Pfizer. 
And then uh, uh, the first kill, I don't, I don't know how he did it. I, I don't remember. But I mean, he got, he was bloodied, bloodied as hell. Do they show yeah. the, the first one, the first kill? I'm trying to remember what the first one was. It does it show it? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, but the last one is also extremely memorable, where the guy basically has like this room, um, like this like torture torture room, yeah. and she basically turns it against him and whips him, yeah. and uses his own arrogance, even though he knows all three have been killed ahead of him. Uh, he just doesn't believe that he could possibly be the next victim. Um, yeah. So I, I like that too. Yeah, exactly. And and I mean, she tortures him to death. So it's I, I love the fact that like all the ways that she was raped, she turned it around and that's how like, he, she killed them. So yeah, it was, it was great. It, I mean, as a movie, this was a very satisfying movie. It yeah. really was. Yeah. Um, yeah, how, and to circle back just a little bit, what did you think about how they show the initial like bidding and stuff like that, the grossness of the four individuals? Um, like, I, I think it does definitely succeed in making them being very dislikable and very gross. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, how how do you think about how that's portrayed? It also cuts away quite a bit, so it's not not showing all of the, uh, it's not showing it all explicitly. Oh yeah, no, I mean they don't show any of the actual doing, right? It's it's more like. It goes all the way until like a freeze frame, uh, right before yeah. it's about to happen. Uh, I mean, I thought it was well done. I, I appreciated that they actually didn't show the the rape. I thought that was uh, pleasant because I, I I don't want to see it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw some people describing it as accidentally feminist in that way. Uh, how it doesn't show it. Yeah, you could say that. Which is one way to think about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it avoids it, it really stays away from exploitation, which was such a common, uh, which is which was so common in that era. I mean, we're talking about the 70s, right? So that, this was the era of exploitation and we could have definitely gone there. But instead, um, right, I, I think it, it's tastefully done. Uh, I, I was very afraid that uh, it would not be. So I was like, OK, this is I appreciate yeah. this. <laughs> yeah well i i i'm for for all the reasons we've just talked about i'm i am hesitant to show you the full-blown exploitation like bohachi style stuff but uh so i i think i would be a little more restrained in doing that uh so i, I at first i was like oh this film there's no way i would ever show this to Nyaki. and then i watched it i was like you know i think you might like this one so i'm glad to hear that you did enjoy it yeah yeah no i i, I think again bohachi a whole different story and not not that i hate all exploitation films i mean we, we both have enjoyed a uh ebola syndrome but uh <laughs> but that one was just more silly and not as cruel yeah well maybe i'll bring that on for valentine's day just kidding <laughs> ebola <laughs> ebola uh... <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with love at all, but you know we're, we'll go with it. I mean, it's funny. Uh, so we originally, were, uh, you know, for for our listeners, first of all, apologies. Uh, we were supposed to have a, a together podcast on uh, January, but uh, things got got in the way. Uh, so we're now doing in February. So you, you could count this as uh, our uh, 
Saint uh, uh, our not uh, sorry our uh, Valentine's Day uh, podcast. Yeah, I suppose so. Oh, if we yeah, especially if we don't get to another one in February. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, happy Valentine's. Uh, you know, uh, all day. <laughs> Should I wait to to release it on that day? <laughs> nah, I mean. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I wonder how many insults are here anyways. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, according to Anchor FM, 20%. Just kidding. <laughs> that kind of data. <laughs> and like uh, AI is just really advanced now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, that's a lot of my basic big notes. Uh, I wanted to touch on the conclusion at some point, um, but I got most of the things I, I like how neat and clean the film is mm-hmm. um and it's interesting because Choi yuan would eventually become associated with these uh martial arts films that are extremely convoluted and so this one is kind of in an earlier era where he's not really doing those sorts of adaptations so um i i personally think that this film is you know pretty accessible in terms of narrative not difficult to follow at all mm-hmm. uh, anything that you want to touch on in terms of that or, or just anything else uh period no, not really. I think, uh, I mean, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, this one was is one of those where, uh, to me, it's been it's one of the cleanest uh, Shaw Brother movies that we've watched, and that's sort of surprising. Um, but uh, besides that, uh, I think it it's just it's a very well made movie. It's a it's a it's a very satisfying plot altogether, and I yeah I, I don't know about okay but yeah we can yeah, go well, into the details if you want to yeah yeah so I mean most of the details I have are just kind of in the conclusion which I I think you could say it starts with her running out of basically that that uh, despicable room that the last guy that she takes revenge on has. Or you could say it kind of starts when she gets back to uh, the brothel and all chaos, all hell breaks loose, basically, and everyone starts fighting. Um, but regardless, it's kind of like the last 15 minutes is just straight action. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. What is? Are there any particular aspects of the finale that stood out? Obviously, the very final showdown with Lady Chun and uh, I knew stands out quite a bit, uh, just in terms of like kind of the Shakespearean way. And right. how it ends, where you know, even though Lady Chun loves Ainu, she doesn't trust her enough, uh, and she is despicable enough to have a poison pill in her mouth. So, I mean, that's super. I, I mean, I, I think that's super well written. Uh, so, I really, really yeah. like how it concludes, and like super well acted by Betty Petey as well. But was there anything else in in that conclusion that well, stood that, out? I mean, that conclusion is what I write. Uh, I, in my notes, I wrote the anti Romeo and Juliet. Because even though even though you had that speech of you know, oh I first tried with hate but I couldn't do it so I did it with love that's how I was able to get my revenge, but uh, you know uh, jokes on you, uh, love or hate or whatever it, like Romeo and Juliet you have you know the two the two characters uh, dying for each other, while in this one you literally have like a, a murder suicide. Uh, at the end and uh, I don't know if it's done for love or for ultimate hate but uh, it, it, it happened <laughs> and is it a murder suicide or a murder murder 
So, so I guess she technically does die from, they both die from the poison. So I guess you could say it's a murder-suicide. Yeah. But she's definitely on her way out anyways. I mean. She, it's just a scratch. Just a scratch. It's just a couple <laughs> of limbs missing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you're right. I mean, she, she was about to die anyways. But, uh, but I would say, like, you know, uh, one of them was in the middle of a battle. So, you, like, is it a murder when, uh, you know, you, both of them are battling for their lives? Or is that, like, just uh, manslaughter? <laughs> getting yeah. getting legal here <laughs> yeah or an uh, act of war yeah um the whole uh, thing just gets really bloody uh though i and i like how you just have lots of extras and you just have kind of those classic tracking shots where you're going down uh, well so yeah, yeah. so the, the highlight i have actually on the on, on this uh, on this film like around the end is uh there's this beautiful scene where uh i knew is sort of running uh on a hallway or i mean it looks like yeah, a hallway, yeah. like you, you, and you got the tracking shot, and she's just like chopping limbs, and like cutting people, and it's just really well made. Whenever she's in danger, uh, uh, Lady Chan shows up and sort of saves her with her uh, karate chops because Lady Chan has like iron an iron fist, which this is that actually that's uh, let let's let's get to the superpower of Lady Chan. Lady Chen does not use weapons because with her hands alone, she can chop people's arms. Yeah. Or it's also kind of, yeah, she can chop people's arms and she also does something that's a little like uh, Kill Bill in a way where yeah. she kind of like takes a punch right there and she almost like she ripped your heart out. Well, she, she can impale you with her arm. Like she, she has iron hands. Like, uh, what was it? Uh, there was, uh, I think it was the Seven Avengers where, or the, the Cripple Avengers. Yeah. Where like the bad guy had like you know iron uh, iron uh, hands and, and legs, yeah. and uh, and you know like oh super dangerous because that guy can like kill you by doing that stuff. Yeah, Lady Chun doesn't even need need iron. Like her hands alone are like murder weapons. Uh, and you know uh, I I think uh, just how dangerous she is because. When you're watching the movie, you know that uh, you, you know that uh, I knew wants to kill Lady Chun after she has killed everyone else. But Lady Chun, like even with one arm, when she's fighting I knew, uh, Lady Chun is still like holding up on her own quite strongly. Uh, I don't know. I thought I thought the choreography for a film where a director did not want to make a martial arts film, I thought the choreography was beautiful. The hallway scene where they're both battling and chopping people's arms off and like just really well made uh, tracking camera as you mentioned and all in all it, it's it's an, an orderly chaos you know exactly where what what's happening where everyone every person is and uh, if it wasn't because once in a while uh, the, 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 the the colors in the uh, in, in, in the copy I was watching would get saturated so Lady Chun's uh, pink dress sometimes would look white. So I would not be 100% sure if that was Lady Chun or I knew. Except for those small moments, like, it, it's just very clear uh, what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And uh, very enjoyable as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I think you summed that up very well. Um, yeah, I love just like that you have that red on white where you have like the snow, but they're also both dressed in really like light colors. So you have like the white and the pink. Um, I love the way that Lady Chun kills um, 
the uh, basically the person that was running the brothel with her, where she sacrifices an arm basically and impales him with it. Um, yeah. And that's how she loses her first arm. Um, and then I knew chops off the second one, of course. Uh, in some ways, a very very Tarantino-ish thinking about it. Uh, yeah. Like in in terms of Kill Bill and whatnot. In fact, and it could be kind of an influence. Um, I like the snow that you have kind of, a, or the styrofoam or asbestos or whatever you like. Uh, that's kind of laying around. Um, all the yeah. different acrobatics and flips that we have too. It stands uh-huh. out. So I think uh, I think you're right. Yeah. In, in terms of like what Shaw Brothers is capable of doing, certainly in this era, well, uh, they do it the, uh, just. Uh, a pretty A plus job in terms of just staging this last action fight and just all the different components that go into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, and then the part probably where it stands out even more, and you know, you and I have hinted at throughout, is just the narratively satisfying way that the film concludes because you kind of know that they're going to have their showdown at the end. Uh, they're fighting together for quite a bit in the conclusion, um, and then finally i knew does what she does and chops off the arm um and so that part stands out and then of course the poison pill uh which yeah. is just kind of the 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 the, the cherry second on cherry on top yeah 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 no it's uh again like it, it it's intriguing and and this is the part where i you know i might uh go on the controversial side of saying like hey does this play well or badly on the uh, on the evil uh, on the gay trope so uh because i mentioned at the beginning that in one way this movie was very ahead of its time but in another way maybe not and i mean uh, in the 70s it was very common that when you had a gay character that gay character was evil and sometimes irredeemably evil and and here you have that i mean lady chun she's She's obviously a lesbian. She hates men, even though she runs a brothel that uh, caters only to men. And she almost seemed redeemable, uh, right? Like her love to Ainu was so strong that, uh, you know, she, she gave up everything. The brothel, she killed, like, you know, her like most beloved or friend or whatever. She basically uh, gave everything away from Ainu, for Ainu. And I knew, obviously, getting her justifiable revenge cut, chops off her, her arm. And you got that final scene. And there's two ways you can read it, right? There's that, that scene where uh, Lady Chun asks, you know, for a final kiss. She's like, hey, you know, I still love you. Uh, could you just grant me this wish and give me a final kiss before I go? And, you know, this was a poison kiss. Because she kisses her and then Lady Chun, obviously poisons uh, I knew uh, that moment is a moment that makes Lady Chuck irredeemable right like, like she's almost going through redemption you're almost like oh you yeah, know, yeah she's a horrible human being uh, she's like you know put like has put people in uh, sex slavery like so many women like kidnap girls into sex slavery I mean that's it's not acceptable but she kind of redeems herself because of love, right? And then all of a sudden she's like, no, she's not re- re- redeeming herself. But she's also the only lesbian character we have in this movie, or in general, probably in cinema, like one of the few lesbian characters. And she just happens to be irredeemably evil. Uh, uh, and that's that was a trope, right? The, gay, the, 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 the irredeemable evil gay character. 
that you you had in the seventies, and and actually, fuck it, went all went went all the way up to you know the nineties. I mean, I, yeah. either either overly gay or coded, like even Lion King with Scar, right? <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to defend the film uh, on on that. But uh, I mean, it's uh, interesting. I, I'd have to think about it some more too. It's like I'm trying to think specifically too. It's like certainly for probably a gay male character that'd be true. I wonder a bit uh, how true that would be if you were to be like a uh, evil lesbian character. I. I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, yeah. I just have to think about it some more. Well, and, and we, I, that, that, that's the other part, right? Like, uh, how many lesbian characters do we know from the 70s? Because as far as I can think of, this is the only one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, outside of, you know, like some sort of, like, you know, B-sexploitation film that probably... Yeah, we where it's kind of a caricature-ish portrayal. I mean, here yeah. at least, Lady Chun is a real character. And, yeah. 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 I mean that, that's a question I have, uh, and and again this is not to attack the movie it's, uh, itself, and in fact I'm saying this I'm not even saying this is the absolute reading, but this is a reading you could have. So you yeah. could have a reading that is like oh this movie gives you a strong lesbian character. Another reading is oh this movie follows the gay evil trope, which just yeah. happens to be a lesbian as opposed to a skinny, you know, like guy yeah 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 which you know uh some of these films certainly did uh if you're to see i don't know if the eunuchs fall into the gay category but like they're often portrayed as very evil in in these films so yeah. it's not like the chinese films would fall away from kind of like people that aren't just kind of standard heterosexual men and women um exactly. yeah yeah okay well um that is most of what i have you got anything else you want to uh add on before we get on to uh, kind of conclusions and stuff, uh, yeah, yeah. One last, I guess one one de- detail and a question. So, if this movie was supposed to be a melodrama, how do you think it would have played out without uh, martial arts? Uh, like, how would they have concluded it? Well, they could have concluded it in kind of the same kiss. But it's interesting you mentioned that because the film was, you know, relatively successful. And Choi Yuan directed films with Chow Brothers all the way to the end. So he ended up, in some ways, remaking this film in 1984 in a film called Lust for Love of a Chinese Courtesan, where I think okay. he was maybe able to fit more of his ideas there. And it focuses a lot more on backstory, um, and it kind of just has a more of a standard betrayal plot, where, uh, like in that film, basically, she, uh, I knew tricks um the lady chun and the kind of the one of the strong male characters into killing each other and that's how it finishes um so it's not it doesn't quite map one-to-one in terms of characters and stuff uh but they name the two i knew and lady chun again um and the film is not terrible um like Choi yuan still has kind of a gift for costumes but it pales quite a bit in uh in comparison to this film does it have martial arts at all or it does but they're not at the end oddly enough they're kind of in the midway point it's like five minutes in the middle um and then basically not a lot until the end so so i guess my question was like what what if it had none what if it had none i don't know <laughs> like uh I guess yeah I, pure melodrama like how, how would that work 
I think you'd still have to have some way of people killing each other. It just wouldn't be, maybe it'd just be like poison. straight poison, burned to death, and and like uh, like a stab. Yeah, people just don't fight instead. It. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess that that was like the the, the question, like if his original intent. I mean, the martial arts is sort of like what adds a little bit of that, uh, especially against the the torture guy. Like you know, you cannot do that without martial arts. No. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I mean, you definitely can't do what Lady Chun does with her iron arms without martial arts either. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, she her damn her damn hand stuck in the, in like the pillar because <laughs> she has some iron hand. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that was my question on that, and then I I, I had a second thing, um, but I think I forgot now. So I guess uh, unless I remember uh, before we we leave. Uh, yeah no worries continue yeah um okay well uh do you have a souvenir um man this is that one is hard it's hard um i guess uh souvenir (laughs) i'll take one of lady chun's arms you can have the other one if you want (laughs) <laughs> those things yeah, look like they're made made well you know back when the manufacturing was very solid yeah well, back when uh, you know god would actually like make a real hard hard skin so, you know. <laughs> yeah back when made in china meant something <laughs> <laughs> um uh, you know uh, uh, an arm will, you know, start stinking after a while. <laughs> Fair. Uh, so I, I don't know if I'll take that. But, like, the, the only thing I can think of would be kind of a fucked up thing to take, which is the 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 tea, the tea set of the the pervy patron. Okay. It's probably worth a lot. Yeah, and it looked like it was gold and stuff, and I was like, you know, I would get rid of all the, uh, you know, rape, the rape drugs. And uh, just you know, use it for tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for myself. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> for yourself, okay. Uh, do you have a film that you think would be a good double feature with this? Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this one could go with Kill Bill. We hmm. mentioned it, and I, I think uh, Kill Bill, the first one especially uh it has uh some parallels that are fun uh you have your strong uh female character just uh, ruining everyone's shit i know that's kill bill uh it's more of a japanese style but i mean who are we kidding she trains with a chinese guy with for, for chinese martial arts and somehow then she's fighting with uh, a samurai sword and and for some reason we have to accept that that's uh that they they logically make sense. Yeah. Well, and also, uh, I mean, Tarantino put the Shaw Brothers logo at the beginning of Kill Bill too, so it's got both the Japanese and the Chinese influence all over it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it would work, work well, uh, especially thematically speaking, because uh, these are uh, these are two movies about uh, a revenge. Uh, you could even argue revenge of lost of innocence, even though Kill Bill. Uh, not yeah. that innocent, but still. 
Um, yeah, no, that's a good one. Uh, I was going to do a different film, but I'll do one that's more well known now because you actually what your suggestion reminded me of it. Uh, Lady Snowblood. So, you know, Chinese, Japanese doing a little bit of mixing and matching. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's a nice little um, uh, another primary influence on Kill Bill uh, with I think Meiko Kaji is the lead there. Um, so that one's another fun uh, revenge film that you can. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's Michael Kaji's 1973. Uh, so it just came out a year later. Um, uh, and see, let's see, what do we have next? Uh, who won in rating? Uh, Lady Choi. Okay. You got the same answer as me. Yeah. As much as I like to give it to Choi, uh, Lady Chun is an extremely memorable character. One of my favorite Chop Brothers characters. Yeah. Like, I think they're the most evil of the evil characters we've seen so far out of the Shaw Brothers films. Yeah, in a really delicious way too. Yeah, yeah, no, it's he's this is the villain you root for, uh, like it's the villain you love to hate. Yes, like she, yeah. she like she's just magnetic on screen too. Um, yeah, it's like you're, you're almost sad that she dies, and then you know she gives her her last hurrah, uh, and, and you feel bad for you know I knew, but uh, yeah, <laughs> fuck it. Yeah. She goes out with a damn bang, though. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should have a. So you 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 might talked about the winner, but I I think here we should have a loser. Who was the loser? Because I have I have two two potential candidates. So who's the loser for you? Uh, you know maybe the only survivor of the film, but the inspector loses an awful lot. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't know who's the biggest loser. The inspector. Or the quote-unquote mute. Oh yeah, he gets kind of <laughs> yeah. Like 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 that guy gets beat up the entire the entire time. He's just bullied, and he's like, "Oh, I'm thinking of some revenge." And right away, without any planning, he just tries to escape and gets his shit ruined. And you know, yeah. And then that's like act, at the end of Act One, and then after that, you sort of like forget about his existence altogether. And uh, in fact, do you remember him? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, he's definitely an afterthought in terms of all the other stuff going on in the film. It's kind of a classic misdirect, too, where you're like, oh, this guy's going to figure prominently in and he's going to move the plot along. And he does in a way, but it's not quite in, like, he doesn't even escape. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I consider him the biggest loser, but he, very close to him is the detective because. Oh my god! Like the guy, the guy literally, people got murdered right in front. Like yeah, he's like in the next room. He was there. He's like, he's like, they're gonna kill you. He's like, (laughs) he's like the worst detective ever. Well, he's just, he's just not strong enough. I mean, I think that's one of the things we maybe didn't touch on fully too is like the kind of power structures of like the those four men that end up bidding on her and the ones she takes revenge on. It's like the inspector is like a weak sauce compared to those guys. Like he's just. and, and like well, yeah. how these four guys, because they are in positions of power, are able to kind of uh, take advantage. Well, even even when even after one of them dies, and it's like the detective actually has everything to believe that she killed him, even though technically she didn't kill him. He arrests her for the one that she didn't kill, <laughs> technically, right? Like yeah. he killed himself. Uh, but uh, you know. They get stopped because even after death, his reputation is more powerful than the detective. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. So a couple losers in the film. There's, I mean, and <laughs> the inspector doesn't even die, and somehow he's a loser still. Uh, what's your uh, What's your rating? I give this an eight, actually. Okay, right on. Yeah, I'm eight and a half. For me, one of my favorite Shaw Brothers films, so it was a nice to rewatch. Um, for some reason, I had avoided this when I originally watched them, probably because I thought it was more straight exploitation or something, and, mm-hmm. and I was really happy with watching it um, last year, and so thought it'd be a fun one to bring on um, here. Yeah, that was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, you know, I think this is one of the very lean uh, film-to-film episodes. We didn't go too long at all. We didn't even cross an hour, so uh, just like this film, uh, banging them out. Um, I think both of us still have our arms. I know I do. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, And we will uh, be back with another episode probably in about a month or so. Yeah, and uh, please go to uh, uh, tweet at us or X at us. You know, uh, if you want to talk about like some uh, videos on X or X videos, however you say it, uh, at CA Film to Film. <laughs> All sounds dirty like that. that. <laughs> Exodus. <laughs> Exodus. Yeah, just, you know. Yeah. You want to X, talk about intimate conventions of the Chinese courtesan? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can also also email us at uh, ZA Film to Film at gmail.com. That's again, uh, ZA Film to Film. That's with the number two. Uh, g- uh, uh, gmail.com uh, we also have a YouTube channel that we're not using uh, so you know uh, co- I think there might be some videos up there uh, you know comment on them give us a thumbs up on that stuff yeah and same here you can you know, comment on whatever podcast uh, app you use rate us tell us how we're doing uh, and, uh, anyways ciao ciao